Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Dangerous World. It's been a week. It's been a weird little week, right? Um, I was thinking, man, you know, we've been seeing a lot of propaganda nonstop, it seems, since shit. Really, it's it's come to the forefront since 2020. I hate to say it because, you know, everyone listening to this has been seeing it for a lot longer. But just, you know, speaking from a, a uh, more stereotypical perspective, let's say that this shit has really started kicking off in March 2020, maybe January, okay, when we started learning about this COVID stuff. And I'm going to get into the whole thing, you know, the, the name of the episode uh, relates to the whole young global leaders and Klaus Schwab again. And, and I, I don't mean to do too much stuff on Klaus Schwab, even though I think it's very important. And I think he's an interesting character throughout history. He's got something to do um, with even more than we can understand, honestly, at this point. So um, with that being said, I don't mean to just pound home on his whole undertakings. You know, he did write, a book called the great reset. And if you tune into mainstream media, they'll still tell you that, that the great reset is a conspiracy theory from the alt-right and it's Russian disinformation. Now it's not, I mean, this book came out in June, if I'm not mistaken of 2020, just three months, right? Three months after, you know, really actually two months after everything kind of shut down. Cause if I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly, things started shutting down around March 15th, March 20th of 2020 so we've just been in this never-ending year as a lot of people have made reference to it feels like one year now why is that now i tend to think and i've heard this from a few of my friends in this community that there are some spells going on and we actually do have our our language english here it has some serious negative connotations to it it's a very very dark language when you hear you know good morning uh the word nice um all these words they don't mean what you think they mean they oftentimes mean the opposite and i feel like these people kind of hack into these terms and they get on they play off of our emotions clearly um there's a great show what is it called what we do in the shadows i think and it's a vampire show and there's a certain type of vampire in the show that's an emotional vampire or like an energy sucking vampire. Right. And everyone knows somebody like this. And they even kind of make jokes in the show that if you've ever been around someone that's constantly trying to make people feel sorry for them or, or, or trying to bore people to death, very boring people, or they're trying to make people angry, they're sucking that energy. And that's their lifeblood is your energy. 
And this isn't like a, a crazy theory. If you think about it, there's people that definitely can change the tone of the room when they walk into it, whether it be for positive or negative, there's something to that. Now, um, before I get into this whole young global leader thing, I want to kind of talk about a few other things because I see this being repeated um, throughout history. I see the narrative that's being pushed and the methods that are being pushed. So um, you may not see too much of a connection here, but I absolutely do. And I just want to share it. I want to throw the seeds out and see if you're, uh, if you're going to pick them up. Now, referring to the spells and, and these words and these different, uh, you know, chaos magic type phrases. I think, in my humble opinion, this really started with Barack Obama. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that shit wasn't going on before him. Clearly it was. And I think that you all know that. But Obama had, he ran on change, right? He was going to change things for the better. And again, playing off of our emotions, we saw this change campaign. And we thought, oh, man, this guy, he's a young, charismatic black dude. He's not an old, a hateful, cold white dude. He is different. He looks different. Surely he has some different policies. He's going to change things for us. No, he just changed things for himself. (laughs) He changed things for his buddies, for the elite. There was no change for us. Things actually got worse, right? But then after him, you get Trump. Trump comes in. I mean... Think about this. When people are constantly saying things like change over and over again, people are saying change, change, change. Maybe they're kind of taking that word and they're making it into something else, right? They're changing the word change. It's crazy, but it may, may mean something. They're not changing your life for the better. They're changing it for the worse. You see this in cartoons. I mean, you had, you had freaking uh, South Park, which I've quoted a lot doing that episode where, uh, where Obama beat McCain. And you have these buffoons running around the street just screaming change. And that's not too far off of what was actually going on, right? Now, things did change. And when Trump walks in, um, his phrase, his spell, if you will, it wasn't make America great again, in my humble opinion. You know, this means witch. MAGA means witch. The Freemasons use that for high-level witches. I think it's also, uh, it's literally Latin. But the Freemasons are are deep into that, right? MAGA means witch or MAGA, however you want to pronounce it. Now, I think that's a distraction from the real spell, in my opinion, which is the redistribution of wealth. You remember that whole thing? They were telling us that cryptocurrency, the crypto people, including myself, thought that power was going to be taken away from these elites and more of the money was going to get funneled into our hands. QAnon was saying shit like this. A lot of these, and I I hate to use the term, but a lot of these alt-right groups were saying it. Or even just, I mean, shit, libertarian groups were saying it too, right? And truly patriotic groups were saying it. It seems like a a weird little phase in time when the alt-right actually seemed to have more in common with the libertarians and with the freedom-loving people of the world. Not these neocons, these alt-right, these republicans who are no better than the Democrats or the neoliberals or the progressives. They're all the same. And I think that I'll pound that home by the end of this episode here. Uh, The redistribution of wealth, that was what it was. But what was the true redistribution of wealth? It was the upper middle class, the mom and pop shops having to shut down 
because the mega corporations like Amazon, Walmart, Costco, Kroger, Home Depot, Lowe's, Ace. I mean, I know that there are are some little, uh, you know, local hardware shops that shut down local grocery stores. I have a local grocery store here in my town. Not going to lie. I don't shop at it because it's way too damn expensive. It sucks. And it's, it's shitty to say, but it's just a fact. So with that being said, I mean, the redistribution of wealth was just taking out the upper middle class, feeding more money into the elite. And this is nothing new. You've heard this. You have more centi billionaires now than ever, right? I think there was two before COVID hit. And now there's like nine, maybe more at this point. I haven't checked the stats lately, but they're growing. There's more and more people that are worth $100 million. And when I say more and more, it went from two to nine, which, yeah, percentage-wise, that's a lot. It's not shit. when it, It's a drop in the bucket. It's a drop of a drop in the bucket when it comes to how many people are on this earth just trying to find out where the next meal is going to come from. Right. I mean, here in the United States, we're pretty well off. But my my idea here is that I think they're going to get rid of the middle class altogether. So the upper middle class is steadily leaving. The middle class as a whole is going to be gone. And then the lower middle class is eventually going to be gone. And then what do you have? You got communism, baby. You got elites. I'm thinking maybe like 0.5 percent of people that don't even have to know what it's like to pump their own gas, which will be ten dollars a gallon. There will be 0.5 percent of people that. They have everything that they need. They've got a little bit of money in the bank. They can maybe get their daughter a nice car or their son, right? They can get things that they need and some things that they want. They can splurge. They probably don't get to take vacations, but they can buy necessities and they can splurge every now and then. Then you're going to have 99% of people or maybe, I mean, who knows, maybe even more than that, that are literally trying to find where their next meal is coming from. This is just what I think. Unless they want to eat bugs, unless they want to be part of this world economic system. Of course, the young global leaders comes from the World Economic Forum. And just the propaganda is really, really fooling people right now at massive, massive levels. I mean, for instance, this this TikTok thing that went down, right? This whole TikTok situation where 30 of the top influencers, which is not the top influencers that are that are partaking in this, clearly. I mean, you've got some people in this group that have like 500,000 followers and maybe they're loyal followers and maybe they're targeting a demographic that just doesn't watch the news whatsoever. Um, a lot of these people are pretty darn young. Um, one guy that I'm going to mention here, um, what's his name? Aaron, Aaron Parnas. He's 22 years old. He's got 1.2 million followers. I don't think they tapped into the, those D'Amelio checks that have like a billion followers. Um, they didn't tap into the largest accounts. They tapped into selective people. And I find it very interesting. And this guy that I'll mention here, to me, this is a bombshell fucking information. Um, I haven't heard this anywhere. Maybe I'm slow to the fucking party here, but, uh, you know, the white house partnering up with these kids, it's nothing new, right? They, they offered kids a thousand dollars back when COVID and the vaccines were getting rolled out. They wanted to push vaccines big pharma partnered up with the white house this is corporatocracy or fascism take your pick they partnered up with the the executive branch in the government to offer influencers a measly one thousand dollars to push vaccines out to their fan base who is loyal a lot of these kids that watch tiktok love these big influencers now i can understand that you think it's stupid but they don't they take their words as gospel more often than not, which is terrifying because these kids are young and they can be bought and paid for 
And oftentimes they're actually in families that are already bought and paid for. It's selective fucking spy shit, dude. Don't forget TikTok's owned by China. I'm not saying that they're all Chinese or Russian assets, but I'm not saying that they're not. Okay. Now, when they're doing the same thing here with this whole push, I watched a couple of these videos. I watched a couple of the kids that, that they, when they got done talking with the White House, they said straight up that they're not allowed to record, but they can talk about what they were told. Now, I think that they probably had to sign some NDAs. And I think that they probably got some information that they absolutely cannot share. It might have been a little more threatening than, you know, just advice giving from what they were told in in this meeting. Now, this kid, Aaron Parnas, that I mentioned, he talked about how the ruble's at an all-time low. uh, Russia's economy is in free fall and how these are good things. But they're not. I mean, I've, I've even watched NPR. I've listened to some NPR podcasts. They're not good things. This affects the world. I mean, Russia exports, I think, the most wheat out of any country in the world. Grain, I should say. Grain. Um, a ton of materials for soil, right? Which I, I'm sure that you've probably heard or you should have heard on uh, Wicked Planet podcast. Dude. This is not good. It's not good to sanction these people. The idea of a sanction is that you're supposed to be able to threaten it, but never use it. Because once you use it, all bets are off. You have no bargaining power anymore. Now, I understand that sanctions can go farther and farther, but the idea is that you threaten them and the country backs off. And by the way, the United States doesn't have much more time before their sanctions mean shit. They used to be the only country that could really threaten harsh sanctions. That's going to change. I feel like it already kind of is. Russia's built up a serious um, stockpile of gold. Uh, They have a lot of money. I think they call it the fortress. Um, Putin, since, uh, fuck, I don't know exactly when he was, when he started doing it, probably right when he came into power, started preparing for the split from the rest of the world. He's a hardcore nationalist as opposed to a globalist. Um. He's got supposedly like $5,000 for each Russian man, woman, and child. Just in a ton of money, but you know, that doesn't sound like a lot to us Americans and us in the West. It's a decent amount of money for, for lower class in Russia. Okay. Um, unfortunately, but this fortress, uh, deal that he's created just doesn't seem to be working the way that he thought it was. So that's what we're hearing here in the West. Who knows what's true, but back to this, uh, Aaron Parnas dude. Um, this is the crazy shit right here. So, um, at the end of his little, what is it? A minute long video or so after he's kind of praising the United States and saying how good of a job they're doing by helping Ukraine, by the way, he has family in Ukraine. Okay. Which will become very clear here. Uh, and he mentions that in his video. Now he says at the end, the last thing he says is remember The U.S. did not start this war. Russia did. What? I mean, dude, I know he's a 22-year-old kid, but what? I kind of feel like the White House may have given these people scripts. Call me crazy. Call me a conspiracy theorist. I don't think that these kids are just riffing. After they have this historic meeting, and let's be real, it's historic. This crazy historic meeting with the White House. Saturday Night Live's making fun of it. When you look up the meeting, you get like 20 hits of Saturday Night Live. And if you look really close, you'll find 
something that's real about this, right? And I think that's intentional too. But these kids got scripts, man. And this kid says, remember, the U.S. did not start this war. Russia did. We're not in a war yet, are we? I mean, maybe we are. I, I didn't know we are. Maybe this kid knows something we don't. And I think he does. Okay. Now, let me tell you this. Okay. The Parnas name might sound familiar. That's because Lev Parnas, Aaron Parnas's father, was caught leveraging money to get Ukraine to investigate the Biden family. You remember this whole thing? Lev helped Rudy Giuliani coax Ukrainian officials into investigating Biden, and this eventually leads to Trump's first impeachment. Again, let me say that. Aaron Parnas's father, this TikTok influencer, his father, Lev Parnas, was at the center of Trump's first impeachment. (laughs) What the fuck? I mean, you can't make that up, dude. That is some deep level. I mean, if this isn't a movie, this is good fucking writing. This is good writing. Now, Trump wouldn't aid Ukraine unless they looked into Biden's Burisma laundering. And this is really what kind of snowballed this thing. But it all starts with Lev Parnas because he has Ukrainian family members. They're Ukraine. I think that they're, he's a Jewish, uh, a Jewish, Ukrainian. Are you Jewish? That's a good uh, little fusion of words. He's a Jewish Ukrainian. Um, fuck, that's weird. And when I when I I just kind of stumbled upon that, and it blew my mind just looking into it. The one guy that I because th- what what triggered that me me kind of looking into this guy was when he says that the U.S. didn't start this war. Yeah, we're not even in it, dude. But maybe we are. Maybe he's foreshadowing something. That's kind of what I feel like here. And knowing that his father is Lev Parnas, it kind of all adds up here. I told my dad that earlier, and he was just shaking his head, like, of course. I mean, nothing surprises us anymore, right? But it's like, dude, really? Really? You know? Um. Anyway, I, I just found that little connection insane, and I wanted to share that with you. Let me know what you think, because it's, uh, it's deep, dude. Lev Par- and and I, I guarantee you, this isn't really out there a whole lot. I did find it online, of course, but um, man, it, it's uh, it's scary to think that somebody that's probably just been bought and paid for is sitting there putting this propaganda out to kids. He does hourly updates on TikTok, I guess. Um, very, very pro-Ukraine, clearly, and um, really feeding that propaganda machine. So, anyway, um, you know the 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 current administration they're really beginning to work with a lot of Gen Z, right? Um, you know who else did that though? I mean, just think. I mean, think about this for a second. Who else worked with Gen Z a lot? Wait for it. Wait for it. Trump, right? I mean, Trump was working with kids. He was working with trying to push the message out. They're not only mimicking his policies and his his talking points, but his propaganda tactics too. And yes, Trump is guilty of pushing propaganda. Any politician worth their weight in salt does it. And there's a group specifically that I'm going to be referring to here called Gen Z for Change. And um, I will give the progressives this, man. They've really successfully hijacked the term change. Again, referring back to Obama's spell that he cast. 
right? He had everyone screaming for change, wanting change for the better, but it's change that's going to benefit them, them being the globalists, the elites, the people that do not give a fuck about you. And they can effectively really recruit kids, young adults, these people that feel disenfranchised and want a new system because of that branding that they've been taking part in for shit. I mean, what, 16 years at least? I mean, 20 years at this point, almost. He came in in 2008. So, yeah, we're talking, yeah, about, well, 16 years. No, not 16 years, 12 years. Sorry, my math is horrible. About 12 years, right? 14 years. So this this little group here, um, they're going to be pushing pushing more and more kids into the progressives. Because they have, I mean, we obviously, we want change. The people that are nationalists, not like the Nazis, we're, we're not national socialists or nationalist socialists. We want something different. We want a different system, right? The people in Fight Club wanted a different system. A lot of people can agree that we need a different system. But w- since they've hijacked change so efficiently, our ways of seeing a change is called like regressive. It's called like going back to the dark ages, which maybe we fucking need, man. I don't know. But our change isn't the change that kids will see. And with parents being more and more out of kids' lives these days, I mean, it's all about like the educational system. And it's all about like whoever you're leaving your kids with, not you as a person, like whoever's listening, but people as a whole are, are really uninvolved in their kids' lives. And it has a lot to do with the way that our, our society is right now. Now, I bring that whole idea up because nearly all of these Gen Z packs, if you want to call them political action committees, um, all of these things, if not all of them, are just Democrat. They're, they're socialists. They're communists. They're globalists, progressives. I mean, take your pick. There's one. I mean, Turning Point USA pretends to not be on that side. I don't know enough about them to say that they're all good. Um, I do know that Charlie Kirk isn't exactly what he portrays himself to be. I, I don't think he's a horrible person. Um, but, uh, I mean, I got to do some digging before I could really speak on that with any kind of, um, you know, not authority, but if I can speak on that, you know, with some sort of, uh, idea of what I'm fucking saying. But, um, you know, this Gen Z for change site, it's Gen Z for change.org if you want to check it out. They have some of their accomplishments, right? They seem like a smaller group, but they're they're going to grow a lot after this White House partnership as they partnered up with with uh, uh, Gen Z for Change at the same time that they pushed this whole uh, TikTok influencer program or campaign. Now, they raised vaccine awareness, as they call it, okay? They helped get Democrats elected in Georgia runoff. They didn't just help the election be fair. They specifically helped Democrats get elected in the Georgia runoff election. They got 850 calls to persuade Congress to support Build Back Better. To my knowledge, that didn't work, but, you know, getting pressure to Build Back Better. It's a Biden idea. It's a globalist idea. It's a progressive idea. Successfully had an anti-critical race theory program in Virginia disbanded. Critical race theory, very divisive shit, very globalist way of thinking. And this is my favorite here. They brag about shutting down an anti-abortion tip line with 30,000 fake calls. Okay, fake calls. They say this on their site. They had 30,000 fake calls 
flood this anti-abortion tip line and it got it shut down. This was in Texas. And, the, and let me just say, the lady that is in charge of it, this young uh, Generation Z kid, looks like she wanted to eat all of the aborted fetuses. She was a big, big girl. So big that you wouldn't really consider her a child because she was very big. And yes, she was like 20-something, but a big, big individual here, okay? Probably doesn't go by her, so let's just say they were big. Um, It's horrible. I mean, this, is, this should be illegal. This should be illegal. Bragging about doing fake shit to shut down anti-abortion it's not because it's anti-abortion i don't know exactly where i stand on abortion i think that it's a it's an issue that's deliberately put out there to be polarizing you're either for it or against it i go my own way i say i don't really give a fuck do your own thing yes it's sad and i think it's very disgusting when people are proud that they got abortions and wear t-shirts saying they got 30 abortions but hey do you you know i'm not god i can't judge you i do a lot of judging but i'm you know i shouldn't this should be illegal this should be illegal doing fake shit. This is not democracy. It's a small amount of radicals acting like the majority. It's not democracy. This is what they act like we live in, and they're proud to live in a democracy, even though it's a republic that we live in with some democratic practices. But that's not democratic. That's not mob rule. That's a tiny minority acting like a majority. It's fucked up. I'm sick of it. Um. Last little thing I wanted to get into here before we roll into young global leaders. Um, sorry to spend so long on this, guys. It's just a fucking it, it, times are crazy. And I feel like I have to hit some of these like little current events when they pop up. Um, all the hypocrisy is not just on the left. Obviously, I saw, unfortunately, some massive, massive gaslighting from uh, none other than the 45th president. Right. Donald Trump. I hate to say it. First president I ever voted for. Very skeptical of him now, though. And I think that you know this if you've been listening to the show. I've been getting very skeptical because of the way he is carrying himself. And it could be political sport. It could be he's trying to not ruffle too many feathers until he gets back in, right? Just to entertain both sides of the argument. Or he could be a globalist in disguise. But uh, there's there's a great podcast uh, ran by David Harris Jr. I think it's just called the David Harris Jr. Podcast. I can double check that right now, but. You could just type in David Harris Jr. online uh, or on your podcatcher and he'll pop right up. He did a phenomenal job here and he's a diehard Trump supporter, which I'm not against. I, I would prefer to hang out with Trump supporters than I would uh, Biden supporters for sure. Before I get into that, there's a fucking person down the street that had a Biden flag before the election. And now guess what kind of flag they have up? Take a wild guess. The Ukrainian flag. And it's the Ukrainian flag with the trident in it, too. So it's kind of hilarious. But um, yeah, my phone just died, too. So, yeah, David Harris Jr. just typed that in. He had Trump on for a quick discussion. It was like 26 minutes long or so. And uh, he really asked some incredible questions. And, uh, I mean, needless to say, he sounds like a bit of a conspiracy theorist. Or, you know, just a logical thinking, free-minded man is what he sounded like to me. But, um you know, Trump really danced around these questions, and it was disappointing to say the least. Uh, he asked Trump what he thought of Zelensky, right? Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. He had to ask him twice before Trump would answer. Trump like kind of derailed the, the first question, and then Harris, to his credit, really did a great job bringing him back and said, well, what is your personal opinion on Zelensky? And, and Harris is very respectful. I'd love to talk to this man someday. He's really, really uh, 
based as the kids say really really good dude it seems like um watch it comes out he's a pedophile tomorrow i i hope not but he seems like a great guy um he has his opinion on klaus schwab okay who we're kind of talking about here right his his young global leaders thing trump said that he liked klaus schwab and that they get along well harris also asked uh about the vares data talking about the millions of adverse reactions to this COVID vaccine. And Trump just straight up said he hasn't looked at that. It's an incredible interview, and I'm not sponsored by the dude, obviously. Check it out. Check out this 26-minute conversation. If you're a Trump supporter, and just honestly, just listen to it unbiasedly and just think, really? Really, man? You're, you're, go- you're kind of going completely opposite of what we thought you were. Now, again, it could be Trump playing the game and kissing a little ass to keep political clout. But assuming it's not, I think it's the most revealing interview I've ever seen of this dude. So check it out if you're interested. Um, even if you have your mind up, if you think Trump's corrupt, listen to it. I think it's a, I think it's an important little piece. Again, it's 26 minutes of your time. I get nothing out of it. I, it's just, um, I got a lot. I got a good idea on, uh, who Trump is unless he comes back and does some crazy shit. I want to see people in fucking prison, though, dude. I want to see people, like, more than prison. You know what I'm saying? Uh, in order for me to think that this is anything fucking different than just a uh, a Ronald Reagan, an actor that's getting up there and just kind of fucking the country a little more. Um, You know, it's not like uh, he also did the Full Send podcast, Trump did. And Full Send, it's a goofy show. These kids are great businessmen, but they're goofy. Um, You can't really take them too seriously, and I don't think they take themselves seriously, but you know, this, this, I think it's like an hour long conversation. It's all kind of just bullshitting. They, they talk about a few things, but it's kids asking dumb questions and uh, really nothing revealing. But YouTube pulled that down after two hours. They cite misinformation. I mean, it's a thick ass web that these globalists weave. You know what I mean? Is Trump a good guy or a bad guy? It's really tough to know. I'm leaning more and more towards the bad guy, but I hope I'm wrong, man. I hope I'm wrong. And Rolling into the young global leader stuff here, Vladimir Putin is not one of these young global leaders. And I'm not saying that anyone that's part of the young global leaders is bad. And I'm not saying that anyone that's not part of it is good. I'm just saying that Putin is not a young global leader. And if if the proof that the age limit isn't enough for you, because you have to be 40, some sites say uh, 38, and they did make one exception for Angela Merkel, but that's very high profile. She was 43. The German chancellor, she was 43 when she stepped in. Now, you had to be under 40. Again, some say 38. Klaus Schwab was, or I'm sorry, uh, Vladimir Putin was, I believe, 59 or 69 when they started in 2005. I don't know his age right now. I just remember the nine at the end, but he wasn't 49. He was either 59 or 69 when they started this show. I mean, he's an old dude. He's not a young global leader. He's He's been involved with young uh, global leaders in, in some way or another because he had, I mean, there's pictures of him shaking hands with Klaus Schwab. They met in 1992 when the whole thing started off. And I'll get into that because it's very, very interesting the year that they chose. But I, he, he's not a young global leader. I did some digging and I found some, some members that are going to probably piss you off no matter what side of the aisle you're on. If you're a Democrat or a progressive, none of this is going to make you mad, but you're probably not listening to me because you're fucking dumb. Okay. If you're a globalist. Now, I, I do want to just kind of plug really quick before we roll in the meat of the episode. I know that was a very long kind of intro. 
Uh, Patreon.com if you want to support my work. $3, less than a gallon of gas at this point. DangerousWorldStore.com. And obviously, I'm working with the new great tinfoil beanies. I love these things, man. The guy is awesome. Operation Tinfoil, they're calling it. You can go to WearTinfoil.com and get $10 off this silver mesh reflective emf it's it's insane dude this this is like clothing from the future i know that you've probably heard of anti-emf clothing but this is the absolute best um it's a thick beanie it's not too hot i'm actually wearing it right now i know you can't see it but i wore it all day to work i forgot my baseball hat i have to have something on my head it's not my hairline that i'm worried about it's just i feel naked without a hat on i forgot my my baseball type hat and i just had my beanie because it was cold in the morning Wore this damn thing all day, no discomfort. And it was like 80 degrees. You know what I mean? And I'm a, I'm a sweaty fuck. So, I mean, wear tinfoil.com, get $10 off. Operation tinfoil is legit, dude. I know that they're working on some other things as we speak. He's got some prototypes in his hands. I'm really excited to see what they're coming out with next. And, uh, I want to support the heck out of this company, dude. I want you guys to, too. Great stuff. Check it out. At least go to wear tinfoil.com and learn about what he's doing. Blocks all the EMF from Wi Fi. Uh, freaking Bluetooth, 5G towers. Who knows what else is out there? Harp, probably. I mean, you know, the chemtrails. Who knows what's going on, dude? So again, weartinfoil.com. Go get 10% off. They'll know I sent you there. And uh, man, yeah, weartinfoil.com, baby. Um, I'll tell you this. The young global leaders don't like weartinfoil.com. For that reason alone, you should uh, you should go check them out. Okay, they don't like Operation Tinfoil. They want Operation Lizard, and that's a problem. Okay, now Young Global Global Leaders. It was originally called the Global Leaders of Tomorrow. Okay, now of course Klaus Schwab started the group in 1992. Some sources will say 2004, 2005, 1993, 1992 is where it's at. Okay, this is when it started because he kept it underground until 2004. And this is interesting, actually. After he won. The Dan David Prize. And he used the purse to pursue his goal of shaping young leaders of the next generation to all think alike and to strive for globalism and to work in lockstep, taking page out of the Trilateral Commission's book and the Rockefeller lockstep program. And I mean, just really melting a lot of things together. And this, this dude is becoming a very influential kind of, I mean, Anyone that says that the deep state's not real, fuck you. Because Klaus Schwab is deep state. No one elected this man. The only reason that he has power is because he's a rich trust fund kid. He's never worked a real day in his life. All he did was just go to Harvard. He went to, I think, I think he went to Oxford or Cambridge. I forget which one it was. I talked about it in one of my episodes. This guy is just a rich little fucking kid, dude. That's all he is. Much more powerful than I'll ever be in this world, but who gives a fuck? This guy's a piece of shit. Now, the Dan David Award that I mentioned, he's just, it, it, it's basically just like all these other bullshit awards that rich people give each other. It's like the Emmys or the Oscars. No one really gives a fuck, but it's to stroke egos and launder money is really what I think it is. Um, the whole thing was started by, uh, by Dan David in 2000 with a $100 million endowment shit so you know that right there he's not one of you if he's got a hundred million dollar endowment um but what this thing does it focuses on history it kind of tries to they say learn from history to make the future better um 
It awards individuals who focus on what they call helping the world. But I call it fucking over freedom is really what it is. It's not helping the world. It's just it's just screwing us. Now, I'm not saying that uh, the Romanian-Israeli Dan David is intelligence. I'm not saying he's Mossad. But he's got some loyalty to pushing the New World Order for some reason. I don't, I'm not sure why. I can't tell you exactly what it is. I didn't do too much time looking into Mr. Dan David. But, uh, you know, Romania, shady. Israel, hate to say it, Israel, you're shady. Not you people, the freaking government, dude. Your government is a bunch of fucking assholes working in tandem with my government, who's a bunch of assholes. Uh, this is my last episode, by the way. Kidding. Now, usually Israelis are very nationalist, right? But they have loyalty to global groups, which is very, very confusing to me. It's something I've just like thought about a lot. Um, Epstein, clearly loyal to Israel. I mean, there's there's proof in documents and and the way that he's acted. Same with Ghislaine, even though her father was was clearly involved with MI6. Seems like Israel gets their fingers in things and then people really start to become loyal to them. Um, anyway, they give three awards at this Dan David little society. Three awards of $1 million each to past, present, and future. $1 million to past, someone that's working on, on learning about the past. $1 million to someone that's, that's currently doing something. And $1 million to someone that's working to make the future better. Okay, there's these three categories. And Klaus won the quote-unquote present award. Again, in 2004 for changing our world. That's the reason that he won. Now, a couple other notable winners, scumbags that you may recognize. Al Gore won and anthony fauci won okay this is in 2008 and 2021 respectively right so the plans and um early shaping of the society are really perfectly timed i will say okay the whole young global leaders the reason that it started in 1992 i mean you got clinton winning the election the clinton crime family walking in unseating his fellow globalist poppy bush right hw is getting kicked out of there. But more importantly, you got Agenda 21 getting cooked up. This is when Agenda 21, back when it was 21, back before it was Agenda 30. <laughs> now, Agenda 21, it wasn't the year 21. The theory there is that it's the 21st century. But I think that they had to kind of bump it up. They didn't want this to be the 21st century as a whole. Klaus Schwab probably came and says, this is too broad. We need to get this down to a specific deadline and make sure that we get this rolled out. And they said 2030, okay? So 2030 is now uh, what Agenda 21 was. I'm sure you know, just wanted to reaffirm that. Now, sustainable development has been at the forefront of what these guys are doing since these assholes really just figured out that a large fraction of the global population would support high taxes and the loss of rights in the name of saving the planet, Right. Most of the country here is Democrat. I hate to tell you, most of them are Democrat. That doesn't mean that, that most of them voted for Biden. I don't think Biden won this election. I'll just say it. I hope that Spotify didn't catch that. But most people here are, are Democrat. And I think that a lot of people, you know, the message of saving the planet resonates with a lot of people. It resonates with me. I understand, you know, I'm only going to be here probably 50, 60 more years um hopefully hopefully longer but uh i'm not gonna be here when the planet starts shutting down you know what i mean none of us alive here listening to this broadcast are unless it's in the future in which case how you doing um try and resurrect me or or uh you have full permission to use my uh what's it called hologram 
Okay. Just make me do something funny. There's uh there's a there's a vested interest in this planet, I think. And so it resonates, but they they take advantage. Paying taxes, baby, it's not gonna do nothing, okay? Um, losing rights, staying inside, not being able to buy fucking refrigerators or have your air conditioning on when it's 120 outside, that's not gonna do anything. Um not only are elections rigged to help support these political leaders that are chosen, but massive, massive grants are given to companies and groups that are led by the YGL, which I'm going to refer to, the YGL alumni, Young Global Leaders, YGL. Mark Zuckerberg's a member, and I'm sure you're familiar with the Harvard LifeLog CIA story, right? And now Facebook, or Meta, if you want to call it that, is the most influential corporation in the world. And it's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, Amazon, yes, they get they get a lot of content out to people. Facebook or Meta can literally shape the narrative massively. Now, side note here, they just okayed hate speech against Russia. I'm sure you might have caught this. You know, they they uh after calling this time um really, really dangerous to be to be talking shit to a certain group of people. Um, this whole entire time, dude, they were calling hate speech. Just speech that they didn't like. Um, preaching about dangers of, of just, you know, straying from the narrative. And uh, now it's okay to threaten a massive nuclear power. That makes sense. It's 2022 logic right here, right? How do these widely unpopular leaders around the world stay in office? That's my my question here. These guys have a whole lot to do with it, I think is my answer. Right? Young global leaders. Now, a lot of old guard politics is just that. They're old as fuck. And the YGL began tapping into prospects under the age of 40, kind of making an exception, like I said, to Angela Merkel, but not to Putin. They did not, they did not make an exception to Putin from a lot of my research. Um, I saw over and over again the lack of his name, and then upon doing a couple searches to try and find him in their database, and also uh, you know, just looking on different sites, Actively looking, what they think is that it was a, a misspoken thing. I think Klaus Schwab was, I want to say, 81 in 1992. No, not 81. He couldn't have been that old. Fuck, I don't know. Oh, in 2020, I think he was 81 when he made the statement that Putin was uh, was at the uh, World Economic Forum in 1992, and the, specifically the Young Global Leaders when they were starting it. Uh, I guess he could have been there. He could have been trying to shape the narrative, but he wasn't, uh, he, he was never a member and he's not an alumni either. The alumni are, are kind of what they just call the, the old members. You're a member for one year and then you're, you're grandfathered and you're, but you're an alumni. So, um, it's, it's an interesting group. So in their first year of operation over at the YGL, um, more than 200 individuals were elected or appointed to influential positions. Okay. So you've got this group of people and 200 of that group. I think we're talking literally like three or 400 in total in the first year, maybe less. But 200 of them were appointed either presidents, prime ministers, CEOs or board members, or they were movie stars or musicians. And they had like, you know, Grammys or Emmys that year or fucking uh, Oscars. I mean, these these people had significant jumps in their career the very year that they uh you know, became YGLs, Young Global Leaders. Um, again, in 2004 was the official uh, starting point. So 2005 is your first year uh, that you have members. 
Um, categories of leadership per younggloballeaders.org are uh, academia slash think tank, uh, arts, culture, and sports, business, civil society, media, public figures, or social entrepreneurs. So again, you can go to uh, young uh, younggloballeaders.org. You can put in the filters. Um, I was having some serious glitches when I would try and find alumni, but I ended up finding it anyway. Um, pretty interesting, dude. Just thinking of the the categories, you'd think that you would have, um, you know, there's no humanitarian here, right? There's civil society. I guess maybe that could be it. Um, culture could be think tank, but uh, social entrepreneur. I mean, come on, public figure. Who gives a fuck? But yeah, you want influential members and young people, young good looking people. We're talking the likes of Gavin Newsom, Dan Crenshaw, Gabby Gifford, shot in my hometown here. Her uh, husband is now my senator, one of my senators. Kirsten Sinema, the hot lesbian yoga lady, is the other one. Uh, Uma Abedin, big crowd favorite, friend of the show. Pete Buttigieg, okay. Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley. I mean, come on, a lot of you guys probably like her. And yes, Tulsi Gabbard our current card-carrying members of the YGL. So please remember, please, that when Tulsi tries to run again, pretending that she's on your side, she's not, okay? She's one of these people. I don't give a fuck all the good shit that she says. She will be like Trudeau. She'll say the right thing until she's in office, and then fuck ya. It's crazy to think how she exposed Kamala and Hillary, though, right? Despite their, their clear connection. I mean... That's weird. It's weird to think. Again, it's a it's a thick web that they weave. They think about this shit. Now, in big tech, you've got Jeff Bezos. You've got the entire board of Google. You've got Mark Zuckerberg, as I mentioned. And then a name that you might not know, and I'm a little worried about mentioning this one, Jack Conti. Okay, Jack Conti, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, is the co-founder of Patreon. And yes, he is a young global leader. Believe he was appointed in 2020 or 2021. I don't know if bigger podcasters don't want to mention this when they talk about young global leaders, um, just because the money that they make on Patreon. But uh, I mean, yeah, who knows? I mean, as of right now, the platform is good. I mean, it, it's pretty free speech. I put stuff on there that I'm not comfortable talking about on the podcast. And I hope that you'll continue to support me over there, to be honest, because it's a it's a great way to make some extra income. I don't want to just ask for everybody's cash up. Get on an email list and I'll ask you for $3 every month. I mean, that'd be great. But no, I, I'd rather do a little bit of uh, give and take. You know what I mean? I put good content on there and, and you pay $3 for it, which again, less than a gallon of gas. Pretty soon, $5 is going to be less than a gallon of gas. So pay up. No, I'm just kidding. I appreciate everybody over there. But um, yeah, this Jack Conti, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people that, that don't have podcasts don't even know his name. And to be honest, I didn't even know his name until I was looking at the young global leaders and uh, looked his name up, who he was, and yeah, co-founder of Patreon. Um, so who knows if this is going to end up like YouTube, um, where where you can't say anything. And if that's the case, then I'll get off there and I'll find something else. But until then, we appreciate your support over there at patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. Um. I mean, you even have, uh, fuck, Jack Ma, dude. Jack Ma was part of this whole thing. And he went missing for some time after talking shit about the CCP. Now, my question, was that theater? Was that genuinely him, like, deviating from the plan? Um, This is back in 2018, I believe, is when he was brought in. And Jack Ma, for those that may not know, he's like the the Chinese version of Amazon. 
Um, you can hit up Alibaba and they can make you custom products and, and uh, very cheap prices, Chinese prices for wholesale. So if you want to make uh shit, I'm looking at a paint can. If you want to make a custom paint can, they can make you paint cans with your own molding on it. And then you can do whatever you do with a paint can. Um, the products range from that to tech. I mean, headphones, you can make anything over there. And um, you just find the cheapest price and they do it for you. But this guy, a capitalist living in a communist country, spoke out, goes missing for a little while and comes back probably as a clone. Uh, very pro-China after that. Um, and then, you know, same year, Alexander Soros, big fan, big friend of the show. Alexander Soros was brought in and uh, there to carry on his father's legacy. Who is another one of these uh, very, you know, there's something about Soros, too, that that gets me a little skeptical. He has talked about a lot. Um, there's a podcast I really enjoy called Drinking Bros, and they're they're pretty. I don't want to say involved with the military industrial complex, but they're absolutely involved with the military. Um, you have one of the guys that's connected to the podcast and Black Rifle Coffee that started Black. Uh, no, I'm sorry, connected to the CIA. That started Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, he worked for the CIA. Got fired, I guess, which I heard that you don't really ever fully get out of the CIA, but that's I mean, that's, that's conspiracy talk, clearly. Um, they just went public. So, I mean, either way, congratulations. It's pretty fucking dope. But uh, one of the dudes on there that, that's ex-military, I think like 82nd Airborne or some shit, he was saying, like, I don't think that people at the, the highest levels of our government are sabotaging the country. But George Soros is. Right. So he brings George Soros up with no shame, but he doesn't want to say that Biden and his cabinet or Mark Milley. Right. Or or fucking uh, any of these people are intentionally ruining the country. Really, dude? Really? I would say that they absolutely are. And I think I mean, he's even fucking said it, but I, I, he's kind of a contrarian whenever he's asked a question. He just kind of disagrees. Um, So maybe there's nothing, you know, nefarious going on there. Just some of the shit that I start thinking about. But, I mean, Alexander Soros clearly carrying the torch for his old man, his old Jew-hunting dad. Um, yeah, it, it's it's scary. Um, something really interesting is if you look up members, uh, it only shows the current members, okay? Now, members are only official for one year, and then, like I said, they get called alumni. And this is a clever way to kind of get people out of easy searches, right? Because when you search current members or when you search YGL or Young Global Leaders, it pops up that year's members. You can't easily connect alumni to the YGL unless you're familiar with the structure and how the whole thing is. It's how Dan Crenshaw is able to act like he has no affiliation. He's been asked several times if he's connected to the World um, Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders. He just says, no, I have no connection with them. I, I don't even I don't even know who they are. Uh, I don't know if he takes it that far, but he says he has no connection, which is complete bullshit. And it's provable with a quick search if you know what you're looking for. Um, now, he was, uh, I think, in 2019. Uh, but his, his status is now obviously Illuminati. It's not showing up. You can look through the site. He's not going to be there unless you put the proper filter on. Um, and then and then he'll pop right up there. Same with Bill Gates. I mean, Bill Gates is a member of this fucking thing, and he was he was pretty darn old. Um, it's 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 kind of interesting, dude. He was he was another exception to the rule then too, huh? Um, but the difference is, I can find his name on the lists. I can't find Putin, so that's something to uh, to question. Maybe maybe Putin is part of this thing. I did a lot of looking, and I did not find him. 
If anyone has any concrete information to the contrary, let me know. Um, I just, I did not see it. I didn't see it. I'm not a, a fan, right? I'm not a supporter. <laughs> not one of these crazy people that's like, dude, Putin's fucking saving the fucking world, man. I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying that he's a, that he's a psychopath either. I want to see how this plays out because I want to be on the winning side of history here. Okay. Let's be real. Um, just kidding. Now, the thing here is that we, uh, we all have to admit, I mean, really all politicians and big corporations are corrupt. Can we, can we just get along with that? I mean, can we say that Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Jeff Bezos, Joe Biden, can we say they're all pieces of shit? Can we say they're corrupt or no? Not yet. I don't know. Literally zero exceptions to this, in my opinion. Um, they all seem to be on the side of the son of a Nazi, Klaus Schwab. They all seem to be with this dude. And please stop arguing over the squad versus MGT. And who's that uh, That skinny little cracked out looking chick? Bobert, Lauren Bobert. I mean, MGT, she bought $15,000, up to $15,000 in Lockheed Martin stock. Okay, she was like simultaneously criticizing the progressives for profiting from the Ukraine conflict. And she's been holding Johnson and Johnson, AstraZeneca and Pfizer stock since before Warp Speed started, dude. I mean, this is according to Business Insider. Now, yes, they may be a hit piece type shit, but I mean, they would be getting sued for for slander or for uh, defamation. But uh, the way the reason that I say up to fifteen thousand dollars with Lockheed Martin is because the way that it works out, I guess it's $1,001 to $15,000. They can't tell you exactly how much they put in, but since she's a politician, part of government, they have to at least disclose in this range. Uh, I'm going to guess that it's probably nine, $12,000. It's just a guess, straight guess. But uh, just remember, she's she's criticizing people from profiting off the war, and she's doing just that. We call that two-faced here in the biz, okay? And then you go to Bobert. She's pissing people off in her own district because all that she cares about is her own social media and her nationwide popularity as opposed to her district. Okay. The people that can vote for her. We can't vote for her. This was the problem that a lot of mega politicians were seeing because they'd get massive nationwide credit and really prop up those numbers, right? They were pumping those numbers up on social. But dude, we can't vote for people in Baltimore like that, that uh, black stripper, ex stripper chick. We can't vote for her. We liked her policies and we liked how she looked, but we couldn't vote her in. Focus on your damn district, you fucking morons. So this Bobert and people do like having uh popular, you know, widely known representatives, right? This is why AOC, even though the people in her district don't even really agree with her policies, they like her because she's popular. She's a movie star to them, right? Um, that's a tired analogy, but yeah, she's famous, she's an influencer. She gets people's attention when she talks, and her deep fakes are fascinating. Go to Mr. Deep Fakes if you want to see a fake porn of her. They're great. I did look up one for Tulsi Gabbard. Um, what I did, I, I took my wiener out, I sat it down, and I gave it a good talking to because you know it, it needed to be done. So just a fun thing if you were into that kind of thing it was very interesting I, I will say the uh not the not the tulsi one but the aoc one's pretty good they also do have like condoleezza rice and things that are more gross i think they have pelosi they had one of trump and aoc fascinating stuff technology is being used for this we thought we'd have flying cars but we just have superimposed faces on adult movies it's something to really uh behold but um 
back to Bobert and the uh, the bullshit here. You know, Bobert, you may love her. You may think that she's dope. Do you even know what district she's in? What state? She's a third district of Colorado. They just like her because she's bitchy to Kamala and Biden and the squad, right? That's why people like her. Um, I mean, they copy the squad, though, with MGT. I mean, MGT calls herself that because of AOC. Let's be real. Um, RBG. I mean, there's something about these powerful women that, uh, that get these, uh, these monikers, which MGT, not a bad moniker, but still, uh, be original. Call yourself like, uh, Green Dog or something, which is actually Hill Dog, but whatever. I'm riffing here. Um, now I think it's more important, guys, to know your own representatives. I'm going to get up on a soapbox here. Know your own representatives. If not personally, like I don't know mine personally. I don't want to, quite frankly. He's a fucking, ogre but um know who they are know what district you're in right know what these people's policies are bring attention to this and and if you don't like them which you shouldn't vote them the fuck out i mean you prop these people up and they literally can't do anything to help you these people like bober and mgt people sit there on the opposite side of the country of colorado and say i love bober she she did so good at this or what you know dude is she helping you directly? Sure, they can vote on federal laws, but they're not going to help you. They're not going to help you. They care about their pocketbooks and their egos more than they could give a fuck about you and whatever fucking state you live in. Because if it's not in their district, they can't do a damn thing for you, honestly. Know your representatives, dude. Mine's uh, Raul Grijalva. Ashamed of him, to be honest. Um, it's literally if expired butter grew a consciousness and took shape somehow, uh, this guy, you know, maybe if the butter put on glasses, it's this dude. Um, he looks like someone fried bacon on his face. He's 300 pounds if he's a pound. And that's a problem because he's like five feet, five inches tall, probably. Um, he's a, a very, very embarrassing public figure to say the least. And my mayor here, uh, who's a little cunt too, is his niece, I guess. So, you know, nepotism at its finest, baby. It's at all levels. Um, and, and Trump was guilty of that too. It's like Carlin said, man, George Carlin, the greatest. It's a big club and you're not in it. You're not in it and you never will be unless we change things. We can change things here. Don't prop up these fucks like MGT or AOC or Bobert. Crenshaw. Tom Cotton is another member of this society. He's a young global leader, too. He's a libertarian-seeming dude, but so is Rand Paul. So is Ron Paul, probably, right? I I don't know that they're part of the young global leaders, but what the fuck have they actually gotten done? Not a damn thing. They're there to act. Think of this as the greatest movie you've ever seen, and the longest. They're always acting. They're always in character. And who knows if they even have real personalities. It's scary stuff, guys. But um, it's a little bit about the Young Global Leaders. Again, if you want to check out their website, it's just younggloballeaders.org. Connected to the World Economic Forum. Klaus Schwab, not a good dude. And his family is right up there with him. I mean, they seem to be working all together. And that makes sense. I mean, like, you know, you get these little family businesses going. And... um. I mean, if you get a dad like Klaus Schwab and you're born into that family, it seems like you want to work part and parcel with that kind of shit, right? Now, Kim, you did some research here. 
you did research on not only the wife, which is Hildy, right? And then also the daughter, Nicole, but a little bit on the son, Oliver. And this is the, the little, uh, you know, quadfecta of, of these globalist families. And it's, um, it's interesting, the shit that they're a part of. So we're going to talk about that. You did some great research here, and I wanted to bring you in to, to talk about this. Obviously, the, the audience here knows you. What are we going to get into today with Hildy, Nicole, and Oliver? Well, basically, the entire family is a dynasty that created the World Economic Forum, the father did. And the wife, Hildy, just, you know, globbed on in the 70s and decided to, hey, I'll, you know, be a part of it, too. And it's just a basically a family dynasty every year. 